It's 11.59 on Radio Free BTC. This is your host, Joe Fi, with music and the truth till dawn. Right now I have a few words for our brothers and sisters behind enemy lines. The chair is against the wall. The chair is against the wall. It's 12 o'clock, Bitcoiners. Another day closer to victory. Stay tuned for news and more right after this quick break. Welcome back. You are listening to Radio Free BTC, and I am your host, Joe Fi. Why don't you give us a you know a quick synopsis of uh, of who you are and actually how you actually got into filmmaking? Yeah. So um, yeah, so I got into filmmaking like doing home movies when I was like eight years old. You know, with a friend down the street. Uh, nothing serious. We had like a Sylvester the Cat doll that he had won from Six Flags, and we taped like a foil knife to it and he was like the murderer or something i'm sure there was no <laughs> real storyline but we were just messing around so it kind of started then and you know i would continue to, to do stuff like that with neighbors um and then you know eventually um you know i stumbled into doing some stuff for businesses just for fun and then people started asking me to do it um you know for pay and um yes yeah, so, so that's how it happened you know like i, I was lucky to um to work in, in a family business for when I was younger, growing up, and uh, saved enough money to buy like a camera and then buy the Adobe software and then just kind of learned um, slowly. And I always loved and had an appreciation for film. You know, my older brother was always telling me like, there's not a second in a film that isn't there for a reason. And ever since then, you know, I watch, watch films differently. And um, I love music too, and music and film, you know, go together really well. Um, and so, yeah, you know, I, I liked film because, uh, it makes people feel something, you know what I mean? Most of the stuff I was doing before was like comedy and it, people laugh. It made me feel good, you know, but, um, blending the visuals with, you know, like voiceover and with music, um, you know, in my opinion is like the most effective way to communicate with somebody. Um, maybe when virtual reality gets a little better, or you can actually sense different things and then maybe that'll be different, but still visual uh, and audio will still be a component of that. So, um, yeah, I, I think, you know, film has been really important during crucial times like World War II, for example, during uh, recruiting soldiers and boosting morale. And um, it, it was a piece to winning the war. And um, so I think film can be really helpful, um, you know, especially like in a battle, which I would say. You know, that's basically what we're in with our financial system. You definitely have a knack for storytelling. And and uh, if I might say so myself, boiling down complex issues uh, to to uh, very short synopsis. And it, it's uh, that's why I'm so excited about this because uh, I've Mike gave me the pleasure of actually previewing the whole documentary before it's actually going public. So uh, actually, we'll. we'll what, what, let's not bury the lead. Uh, what, what do you plan or when do you plan to uh, release this documentary? Yeah, so uh, yeah, I, I finalized the date. So it's going to be September 30th. Um, it's the same date that Clinton passed the Immigration um, Act, and which, which was what sent you know, thousands of gang members back to El Salvador. Um, so it's pretty fitting, I thought. Um, I was trying to have it go live, um, you know, September 7th for when Bitcoin was made legal tender in El Salvador, but it just didn't happen. So I, I didn't want to rush it. But September 30th seems like a, a fitting date. And so, um, yeah, I'm working on a trailer right now. It'll probably be out in the middle of this month. 
and it'll be revolving around, you know, uh, the trailer at least will revolve around September 30th, um, you know, and kind of put people um, through that path. And so, um, yeah, right now I'm just working on, you know, connecting with as many people who can get the film out to, you know, as many people as possible. So, you know, like anybody who's had, um, you know, YouTube videos traveling to El Salvador with large views, or a anybody who has a connection with Bitcoin or El Salvador uh, that can help, you know, get more people to see it. Because in my opinion, the more people that see the film, you know, the more people will be inspired to visit El Salvador. And that's really the objective uh, of the film is to get people, you know, to go down there. I've been there a couple of times and, you know, there's a lot of nuances. People talk about volcano bonds. They talk about dictator Bukele. They talk about, you know, all these different things. And in my opinion, all of those things are relevant to the actual people that are in the country. And um, if you want to directly help those people, um, you know, you go visit and, and, and you bring some of your money, you know, um, us foreigners, you know, we, we, we live on a different um, salary. We live on a different uh, living standard and, you know, five bucks for us is different than uh, five bucks for them. So, um, yeah, the objective of this is, is really you know, to get people to go down and, um, and visit El Salvador. And then the secondary objective is, you know, hopefully to, um, if people appreciate my work and value my work to, you know, contribute to it and um, help me continue making these films without having to juggle like, you know, already more than full-time, uh, like, you know, just making a living. So, so, so you're planning to fund this through value for value. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I've, I've listened to Adam Curry a bit and Adam Curry really preaches it. And, um, you know, I did a little poking around to some uh, Bitcoin companies uh, just to kind of see what they thought about the film. And, you know, um, I, I thought maybe they would be interested in being associated with it or, you know, wanting to sponsor it or, you know, perhaps, you know, commission me for a, another film. Um, but, yeah, I, I've been quite surprised uh, at, at the response there. And, you know, it, it's really along the lines of what Adam Curry does talk about. Um, you know, he talks about independent creators not really making money through the traditional routes that, that there are now, you know. And um, the film is only 10 minutes long, but, you know, it, it probably took close to a thousand hours of my time, you know, um, and, and, and thousands of dollars, uh, certainly. Um, and so you know, to work with a sponsor that wants to give you a few thousand bucks, like it's just not sustainable whatsoever. You know, like um, it's cool, you know, I could recuperate some of, my, some of the costs, but it doesn't let me continue to do it. And I want to continue to do it. I feel like I have a passion for it and I have uh, um, a skill. And so uh, I'm hoping that the time is right where people will value, um, you know, the art. And, you know, I see Bitcoiners right, making books or, or cards, and I always love supporting Bitcoiners because I want them to continue to create. And so I think the time is right. I think people um, hopefully will value the art that I create and will want to personally support me creating more. And it gives me a lot of freedom too, right? Like I don't have to worry about a company not wanting me to say this or that or, or, or tell this part or that part. I can work independently. And so, um, yeah, I'm hoping, um, you know, I, I touched base with Adam Curry briefly and he mentioned wanting to help me kind of like get everything organized. Um, and so, yeah, ho hopefully that'll work out. But yeah, really, again, you know, um, if this is the, the only film that I make 
uh, you know, in this manner, because I want to have kids too. Like, you know, my girl and I are talking about having four kids and, and that's really important to me, you know, more important than um, spreading Bitcoin adoption, you know? Um, and so, um, you know, if, if I need to work, uh, if I need to work full time to do that and I can't make these films, then so be it. Uh, hopefully, you know, just it inspires people to go to El Salvador. So I really just want people to see, as many people as possible to see it. But the dream like a lot of Bitcoiners, right, is to um, is to make a career out of it. And um, so, I, I mean, what better way, like, you know, to, su to support an artist. And um, so, yeah, that's what I'm hoping for. So, so, so into the nuts and bolts of this, uh, how are you, how, how could uh, John Q listener uh, right now, how, if they watch this and they say, hey, I like what Mike's doing, uh, how can they actually uh, donate to you? Because I'll give a shout out right now, uh, Radio Free BTC is also on podcasting 2.0, so you should check that out. But So, so how could John Q listener... Uh, help Mike and help this documentary. Yeah, so uh, you can go to bitcoinshooter.com. Um, you know, you'll learn a little bit more about me there. You can see a little bit more of my work, and um, there's different methods of donating. So you can donate with, you know, Bitcoin on chain or over Lightning, um, using Strike, using Cash App, using Venmo. And then if there's a different way, like a wire or something else you want to do, you can also reach out by email, and um, and we can arrange it. So. Yeah, the podcasting 2.0 stuff is interesting. It's just a different format with film, you know? Um, it's not something that you're gonna stream for a long time. It's like something that just a lot of dense work went into. And, um, you know, usually I guess people would buy these things for what, like 10 bucks or five bucks or, or something like that. So anyway, but yeah, bitcoinshooter.com. Yep, we'll get you there. Perfect, perfect. So, so, so back to the film, actually. Yeah. Uh, it, 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 you start out kind of uh, you. you I, I mean, I don't want to give away the the plot, no, but I, I mean, yeah, I think everyone it. knows what it's about. <laughs> uh, you, you start uh, at the Civil War in El Salvador, and right. I was very impressed with uh, some of the old footage you you were able to find and put in there. And uh, you, you also have a lot of news uh, news clippings from from the the El Salvadorian Civil War to today. And why don't you uh, give a noob like me uh, a little rundown of how you find that, where you find, I mean, do, do you, is, is it at the library and you say, I just want to watch uh, 20 years of footage uh, from El Salvador? How, how'd you, how'd you go about finding that and how much time did that take? Yeah. Um, so, you know, everything can be pretty much found on YouTube these days. Um, and I mean, you can really screen grab just about anything. I don't expect any trouble to come of it, but if it does, whatever, bring it on. Um, but uh, yeah, most of the stuff was found on YouTube, you know, like the old Civil War stuff. There are um, a few well-known documentaries about the Civil War. Um, so there was a few different ones that I had pulled images from and videos from. Um, but there was a main one that was like narrated by Martin Sheen and um, people went down on the ground and, and, and there's a lot more in there, you know? I mean, that's one of the difficult things about film is figuring out what to keep in and what to take out and um, what's crucial to the objective. Um, but there's like an hour and a half film that I pulled it from that talk, you know, they talk to doctors that are talking about their experiences where, you know, military's coming into hospitals and just like executing patients and executing doctors who try to get in the way. Um, and literally just like, um, most of them are civilians that were injured and fuck it. They were just killing them. 
So there's a lot more detail and grit to, to learn about these things. But yeah, most of it was, was sourced on, on YouTube. Um, it takes time, you know, I mean, it, the most time it takes is just figuring out what you want to use. I mean, there's so much stuff I had grabbed and clipped that I didn't use. I found great interviews of like, um, you know, uh, original like MS-13 members in Los Angeles talking about what it was like joining the gangs and the types of things that would lead to like murders, like, oh, this guy stepped to my girl, or I was dating this girl, you know, and now he's dating this girl and they fucking go shoot him. You know, like 13, 14 year old kids. Um, crazy shit, you know? So it, the majority of the time is just figuring out what the flow and the storyline is going to be. You know, that's where the bulk of the time is set. And then once that's fixed, then you probably spend another like, you know, like maybe 30% of the time, like polishing and cutting and polishing and watching it over and over and over and over and over again. Um, and just trying to make it perfect. So, yeah. So, so, so you, you do touch on it in the film and, uh, how, how did, how did you make the editorial decision or where, where was your mind at when you were editing this? about the U.S. involvement uh, in El Salvador. I, I know you briefly touched on it, but you, you don't, uh, as a lot of my listeners will know, I, I'm not a big fan of U.S. foreign policy. And mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I, do, I do believe that a lot of the blood that was spilled in El Salvador was on fully on our CIA and our military industrial complex's hands. Uh, but but you, you kind of... Uh, I mean, you touch on it, but you you don't dive into it. And and I know just in talking to you, and, and talking about this movie, it sent me down a whole different rabbit hole. We which we've talked about uh, of the School of the Americas and the assassinations uh, carried out by the students of the schools School of the Americas in El Salvador. Yeah. Anyways, I was just curious. I I mean, what was your editorial decision on how to? Right. Uh, touch on that but not uh, dive deep like like I I just go to the dark black pill place and <laughs> get yeah. so mad again I you know when I was first doing this I was really thinking about the scope I wasn't sure what the focus or the scope was going to be on um, but what really drove a lot of decisions was was just remembering the objective which is to inspire people to visit El Salvador and so um, you know some of it I, I did want to show that hey the US has played a big role in the last 40 years of war. I just consider it all war, right? Civil war, gang war, it, it, it's all the same. Um, you know, it was, it was all war. Um, and so, yeah, you know, like, I just didn't think that drilling so deep into like, hey, look, this is something that America does and, and it's done with like a lot of other countries and there's a school of America. I just didn't think it was exactly in line with getting people to visit El Salvador. I think all they needed to know was, hey, look, this country was dealt a really shit hand. The U.S. had a big role to play in it, but they're bouncing back, and you can help by going to go, you know, visit them. And, and that's pretty much it. Um, and I figured people would take away that, whoa, we gave $5 billion, um, you know, to the military to fight the guerrilla army. Billion. And, uh, billion, Bill, B. Billion. B, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, um of course, the war would not have carried on as long for, you know, for 12 years if that funding wasn't there. Eventually, they'd negotiated. So they would have had to come to negotiations beforehand. And just think about like the incentive, right? If you're the military getting a million and a half dollars from the United States, as long as the war continues, you're probably going to just continue the war. 
So, you know, that can go down a whole nother rabbit hole of the whole fiat system and how Bitcoin, you know, disincentivizes war because you can't just print five billion dollars out of thin air, you know, and slow like backdoor steal it from the United States people. Right. Because in reality, us Americans, we paid for those weapons. You know, we're, we're, we paid for them. We're the ones that are paying the cost of those. The government made the decision and they fronted the cash, but we're the actual ones that are paying for it. So, you know, you could go down that rabbit hole too, but the point wasn't to expose the fiat system, right? The point was to, hey, yeah, go visit El Salvador. So that was kind of there, um, you know, for the decision-making. I hope Americans feel like they have some responsibility and that will be another driving factor for them to go down and try to right some of the wrongs that, that we've done, um, you know, to those people. A absolutely. And, and uh, I, I, you know, most of these questions are just, uh, scratching my own personal itch, you know, that I've, I forgot to ask you when we were in Texas. So, yeah. uh, but, uh, speaking of, uh, of the wars, uh, you know, gang or, or civil war, uh, th those of you that are, are going to watch this on YouTube, it does come with a, uh, with a, uh, a, 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 a what's the, uh, an adult warning or, uh, mm -hmm. an age restriction. Mm -hmm. Yes, in a, a, a disclaimer, and um, obviously violence has shaped a lot of El Salvador's recent history up up until pretty much uh, the last few years, and you do include a lot of uh, not a lot. I should not. It's not graphic by any means, but you do include some footage of morgues and things like that. Uh, what what kind of uh, shaped your decision on on? Why to include that, and why to include the age restriction or the uh, the warning? Um, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, just, just out of my own curiosity here. So the warning is a YouTube thing. YouTube will put it on there if there's graphic images, um, mm -hmm. which I think is fine. I mean, if they didn't do that, and maybe I will still put just like something in the very beginning, just being like, "Hey, you're about to see, you know, dead bodies." Um, the only consideration I had for not including them or maybe for blurring them out was for that reason is to not have the age restriction and, and potentially not turn off people that don't want to see it. Because again, right, my objective is get people in El Salvador and for them to do that, they need to watch the whole film. And so I, I wrestled with that a little bit, um, but ultimately, you know, I feel like it's, it's the truth, you know, it's, it's just a drop of the truth. Um, what you're seeing in the film is like less than a percent of the actual damage that was done and the suffering that was done. Sure. And these people lived through it and had to experience it. And I think the least we can do is look at it. And um, I've talked to some Salvadorans about it and I asked them, you know, point blank about the bodies and if they think I should blur them or do something about it. And the, the response that I remember the most is a woman who said, you know, I think we want to forget what happened. And we want to pretend like it didn't happen. Um, and that's why maybe people don't want to see these things. But I think it's important, um, you know, to honor those people that went through that and that died and that suffered and to, to tell their story. I mean, a lot of this was when I talked to Salvadorans, they're thankful that I'm doing this because their story is actually being told. So many people before Bitcoin didn't know anything about El Salvador. And after Bitcoin now know a bit about El Salvador, but... You know, in, in the film, you'll see that 
the U.S. is connected, right? Five billion dollars given to the the military and planes and helicopters and bombs and training, um, and then also, you know, um, those those people that fled the country of El Salvador during the war ended up in Los Angeles, and that's where the gangs that are in El Salvador now started. And so they were started in Los Angeles. They got sent back by the United States, and a lot of people don't know that they don't they think the gangs started in El Salvador and uh, but no that's not the case you know um, they they were born in gangland Los Angeles where there were already Bloods Crips you know the 18th Street gang the Mexican gangs and, and those gangs were a byproduct of earlier gangs um, you know so it's kind of like this this cycle of you know there's a gang so you have to set up a gang to defend yourself and so on and so on and then you know Clinton sends all these gang members back to El Salvador that were bred in the United States back to El Salvador, and that just continues for, the war. For all practical purposes, they were American. They were kid Americans that they were kids that grew up in America, and and they were in America like, because yes. of the funding given to the war, <laughs> right? Like if they yep. didn't give funding, the war would have lasted less time, and there would have been less of an exodus and less gang members. So, uh, the U.S. is is responsible for so much of it. There's a long history of El Salvador being oppressed. You know, there was a massacre in the 30s where like 36,000 people were massacred or something. And they were colonized by Spain before and they got their independence. So they've had a rough history. You know, there's a lot of things that led to that conflict, but the U.S. just, you know, poured um, gas on the flame, you know. Absolutely. So so, so in, in the film, you also... Uh... I mean, this is that we've been talking thus far about the dark parts of El Salvadorian history, but but uh, there there definitely was a a turning point, and you know, both of us being Bitcoiners, we we, we feel like that it uh, I, it was the adoption of Bitcoin, which is definitely going to, in my opinion, be a fundamental turning point. But but it was also. Uh, probably for El Salvador, more importantly, it was the election of Bukele. And what, why don't you, uh, I mean, why don't you tell us a little bit about Bukele? And because he doesn't really come out of the orthodoxy of El Salvadorian politics, does he? No, uh, not at all. So uh, the two main political parties, like the Democrats were the MFLN, MFLN, <clears throat> and the Republicans were ARENA. And so those two parties... Um, FMLN was given political status at the negotiation of the Civil War. So it was basically, the war was between those two parties, essentially. And they, they carried forward. Um, but, you know, as a citizen of the country, after the Civil War is over, when you're struggling with gangs for 20 years, and you're the, you know, homicide capital of the world in 2015, you know, um, 20 years after the, the Civil War is over, um, I think you, you get fed up. You know, and, and you start to not trust your government um, at all. And so you have this guy, Bukele, who rose as a, a mayor in, in different, like his hometown and then the capital of El Salvador, San Salvador, in the FMLN Democratic Party. Um, from what I've heard, I don't know for sure, is that, you know, he wanted to run for president and they were like, it's not your turn. Um and he said, well, you know, I'm not, he's not going to play ball. And so he decided to start his own political party. Like, fuck Democrats, fuck Republicans. I'm doing the New Ideas Party. And um, I think it was just perfect timing for El Salvador. They, I'm sure the people were just fed up with both political parties. They both had power. 
since the gangs were a problem and neither of them were able to actually fix it, you know, where people weren't getting extorted in the street or kidnapped or raped or murdered, you know, like brutally, you know. Um, so they were fed up, they were ready for it. And um, an interesting thing I've also heard is that the FMLN and uh, threatened to freeze Bukele's bank accounts um, <laughs> if he tried to do this. And he said, I think that's when he had discovered Bitcoin actually. And he said, well, we'll just use Bitcoin because you can't stop that. Uh, and I think that was in like 2017 or, or something crazy. You can see some of his old tweets talking about Bitcoin. Um, so yeah, so people were fed up. I think they were ready. They, they liked what he was saying. Like, hey, this is fucking bullshit. We're going to change this stuff. And then, you know, talking to people in El Salvador, um, they love him for the change that they see, not for what he says. They actually say, I see a difference. And so I'm happy with him. Um, and so, yeah, he got a huge landslide victory um, as, as a presidential election. And then the politicians that joined his New Ideas party, uh, you know, when, when the midterms, their midterms were happening two years later, dominated. They took like 80% of the different political and uh, seats, basically, giving the New Ideas party uh, a supermajority, which allowed them to pass laws that would fund their police better. Apparently, the gang members a lot of times had better equipment than, than the police officers. And before they had the supermajority and Bukele was trying to get funds to arm the police officers, um, the current politicians were blocking it for whatever reason. Um, so he got supermajorities able to pass that. And so, um, yeah, that's kind of the story about how he came to power and how the, that, you know, they broke the two-party system. I mean, imagine that in the United States. You know, imagine a third party coming in out of nowhere, <laughs> taking, the taking the presidency and then taking all of the seats after that. You know, um, it's, a, it's astonishing. And I, I think that's why there's so much crap in the news about El Salvador. I think they threaten a lot of people. You know, Bitcoin threatens the International Money Fund. Um, their success threatens any other politician who, you know, uh, the voters might look at El Salvador and be like, hey, if they can do it, why can't we do it? If they have this huge gang problem that they squashed, why can't we stop killings in Chicago? Um, so I think it, th they're shaking up a lot of things. So, so speaking of uh, uh, still on the gangs, uh, I, I mean, you, you include some of the footage of, uh, of the crackdown on gangs. What, what has he done? Um, I, I mean, w w I think uh, a lot of people know that he has rounded up or arrest, made a ton of arrests, but what else has he done to alleviate the, the gang control or the gang problem uh, that plagued them for so long? Yeah, that's my understanding is that's like the bulk of it is they're just arresting people and they're scooping them up. I think part of the problem before was the judicial system. The judges were just like letting people go, kind of like how you see in Los Angeles and Chicago and New York now. Um, and probably because they were in the pocket, right, of the gangs and, and um, they're being paid to release people. So I think the, the majority of it is actually they're just really arresting and incarcerating people. Um, and they're building a new prison to fit, you know, all the people because they've arrested like 40,000 or something like that. Um, and, you know, so, so that's the bulk of what he's doing. Of course, he's investing in like education of children. They're giving them laptops and things like that. So there's other things that they're trying to promote um, to keep people out of the gangs. But you have to understand by just rounding these people up and making it safe for people to walk the streets and safe for people to run businesses without having half of their money extorted. Um, uh, again, Salvadorans I've talked to that don't live in the country that have family back home are like, 
yo, like I'm like for the first time ever considering buying a house that I might retire, uh, you know, at down there. I I'm considering giving a family member money who wants to start a business now because, you know, that's not just going to get jacked by the uh, gang members. So um, these like just cleaning up the streets and actually arresting people, you know, has a profound effect on the people that are live the decisions that people make in El Salvador and, and the decisions that people are making outside of El Salvador. So, um, yeah, I, I, think, I think that's the bulk of it. And, and that's where some of the criticism comes, comes into play. You'll hear about, like, human rights violations. Bukele has come out very firm on certain things and saying, like, hey, if you keep killing people, we're not going to feed your, your homies in prison. You know, we will not give them a grain of rice. We'll let them starve. Um, and so, and also, like, they're saying that they're, they're arresting people that aren't guilty, um, that it, they're just being a bit heavy-handed. The Bukele administration claims it's 1%. So out of you know, 40,000 people, it'd be 400 people. I've heard stories of people being released. I don't know exactly what their procedure is to vet whether or not someone is gang-related. Um, and I'm sure they're not doing a perfect job. But um, it's a really, it's a fucking difficult situation to deal with. And, but the majority of the people are happy with how it's going down there. And um, you know, I, I don't know all the politics, oh. but I, you know, I, I, I trust them. There's one thing as a, as a Bitcoiner and just the, the outlook I've always had is numbers don't lie, right? And he has significantly, I mean, he's cut the murder rate almost to nothing or a fraction of what it was. I, I mean, so El Salvador, refresh my memory, is about six, seven million people. Correct. And it probably has a murder rate way lower than Chicago, uh, a yeah. city of probably about the same size. Uh so, so by by no means, even by violent American cities, is it uh, as a violent place uh, like it's so often portrayed. But enough about the violence, right? And, and I, I'm trying to keep this uh, very upbeat, but I, that's where my mind goes right away, right? Uh, let's talk about uh, let's talk about tourism in El Salvador, and uh, now now I. I'm probably the last person of the Bitcoiners I know that's going to get down there. But uh, uh, Serify has, has agreed to go this winter. And and because of your film, uh, we are working on bringing my father-in-law with. You know, he's, he's still on the fence, but uh, she has promised me that she'd go this winter. So, And it sounded a lot better to go from Minnesota to El Salvador in January, February, whenever. That, then it then uh, wasting sometime in August or <laughs> July, but uh, what is going on with uh, with tourism in El Salvador? Uh, and, and I know this this is kind of uh, this film kind of is that's ultimately what it's about, or you know to promote and uh, what what is going on and what are you seeing? Yeah, so in 2021. Um... Right, so the, uh, El Salvador made Bitcoin legal in September. They announced they were going to do it like in June or May of 2021. They made it legal September 7th, 2021. And then there was this huge Bitcoin conference uh, uh, November 2021. So, and I met people that like immediately when they made Bitcoin legal, they went, you know, Bitcoiners, they, they went down to El Salvador. So, the result of all that in 2021 is the country received $600 million more in tourism than they projected. They were, they were expecting $800 million and they got $1.4 billion. Um, 
And so that's just 2021 alone. Um, 2022, I'm not sure, but again, I, I would imagine that the tourism must be going up because uh, like you mentioned, it's a confluence of the safety factor. Uh, people feel that it's safe to go. And, and also they, they, they know about it because of Bitcoin. They wanna go see, they, they wanna go live it, they wanna experience it. Um, and so, and that's just tourism, but not to mention investment, you know, tons of Bitcoiners are buying houses out there. I mean, tons of Salvadorans, tons of just investors, um, you know, are looking to, to buy, to buy property out there. And so, um, yeah, it, it's just really great because if you go there, you know, the capital is, is great. Just like a, a nice city, you know, you go to the beach town great beach town, totally relaxing, you know, not, not extremely developed, but that's okay. Cause you're on the beach. But if you go into the mountains a little bit, you know, there are, a, there's a, there's a large amount of people still living in very low living standards, you know, like mud and stick houses. Um, you know, uh, and the roads are really fucking bumpy. Gas is really expensive. Um, you know, you can't walk at night cause you can get taken out by a pack of coyotes up there. So, um, there's a lot of living standards to be improved out there and, um, yeah, the tourism and, and the money that's coming in, you know, it, it's doing all that. It's leading to new businesses, which lead to more jobs and, and leads to people thinking, Hey, I can stay in El Salvador and, uh, make a living here and not have to flee my country, which is, you know, what they've been doing for a long time. So yeah, Bitcoin was really like a marketing campaign. Um, that, that's what it seems like, you know, it, it put it on the map. You know, most people, millions of people found out about El Salvador because of Bitcoin. Um, and so, yeah, it, it was just a, it's, it's just a genius move in terms of marketing. And of course, for us Bitcoiners who understand what the technology is, we know that it's, um, it's, it's a great, a, you know, great thing for the country um, and for the people. So, yeah, uh, it's been, it's been great. Tourism has been great because of Bitcoin and because of the safety and, you know, and Bukele. So, so everybody knows, uh, everyone listening to this is probably a, a psychopath like both of us, a psychopath Bitcoiner. But uh, w what is adoption like? Uh, yeah. And and as Americans, which I, I assume, uh, or, you know, according to my statistics, like I think everyone that listens to this is, uh, is an American. Uh, uh, it is also a dollarized country, so it's it's a probably as far as foreign countries go, being a Bitcoiner and an American, <laughs> about the easiest place in the world to uh, not have to deal with any conversions of uh, foreign currency or anything. But uh, what what has the Bitcoin adoption been like? Because that, that was another thing a lot of people criticize and and are still to this day. I uh, the National Review article by Steve Hankey you know, talking about how it was a forced, uh, you know, forced adoption and things like that. But, but, oh, by the way, they, they don't really enforce it and <laughs> not to get, not to go down the Steve Hankey rabbit hole, but, uh, I, w what is adoption like and, and where, where do you see it going? They're still getting it, you know, um, definitely like uh, the boys like Chimbera and Mike Peterson and Jorge Valenzuela and, uh, Irvine down at Hope House. Um, on Bitcoin Beach, um, they're doing they're doing good work. My surf instructor, who was this young kid, maybe 20 years old, um, takes English classes there, um, and he saves in Bitcoin. And you know, when the price has been dropping, I reached out to him like, "Hey, how's it going? Like, are you scared? You know?" 
And he's <laughs> like, no, I know, like, this is just how it goes. Like, you know, you just wait. And so they're, they're getting the real education to people. When, when kids and people are going through Hope House and learning about Bitcoin through them, they're getting the key messages of like, hey, this is a savings technology, but it's not just going to go up and up and up and up. You know, it's, it's going to go down. And as, as long as you hold on to it, it's going to go back up. It's got to be a long term play. So I think the volatility is where most people get scared about it. And so, um, you know, if you go to the capital of El Salvador, most businesses will not accept Bitcoin. If you go down to Bitcoin Beach, even one of the main restaurants there, which is really delicious, does not accept Bitcoin. You can tip the waiters in Bitcoin. They have Bitcoin wallets. They'll take it. But the restaurant um, does not. So, um, you know, it's not perfect. But, you know, what I illustrated in the film was at least the use cases. And I hope that Salvadorans inside and outside the country also see it and can kind of extract those use cases and not have to blend them all together because the volatility thing is what really keeps them out. But in the film, you see somebody who saves three hours paying his utility bill because he can do it from his phone um, using the Bitcoin network as opposed to taking cash on a bus for an hour, waiting in line for an hour, paying it, and then taking the bus back for an hour because he's never had digital money, you know? Like, he's never had Venmo. He's never had Zelle. He's never had Cash App. He's only had cash. So Bitcoin is his first digital money. And even if he doesn't store his money in Bitcoin as savings, he can still just convert those dollars into Bitcoin right then and there and then send it. And, you know, he didn't lose any money whatsoever. He just benefited from having digital money and saving three hours a month, you know, on that one particular bill. Um, and then you have nope, others. That was it, an interesting story. I, yeah, I, I, yeah. I, you know, I, and I again, got a kick out of that guy. that's irrelevant to the price of Bitcoin. It does not matter what the price of Bitcoin is. You can still use the network in that manner to save time. So I hope there'll be Salvadorans who see that and go, oh, I can save time paying a bill by using Bitcoin and, and maybe not necessarily like, you know, um, ha having to worry about it going up or down. Um, but even on the volatility argument, the same person you'll see in the film says, if I get paid with cash in my hands, I'm going to spend it. But when I get paid with Bitcoin, I set aside, okay, this is how much I need. And then this is how much I can save. And he actually, it changes the way he uses his money. And I would argue that what's better? Is it better for someone to blow 100% of their earnings? Um, or is it better for them to save 25% of their earnings and that 25% that they saved went down 50%? Like, which, which way is better? Would you rather have him blow it all on bullshit anyway? Or would you rather have him have some type of savings? And if he really understands it, he'll let it sit there and it'll actually will work for him. But either way, like, the argument is, it's a win in my opinion. If you can convince someone to start saving, like that, that's a, that's a huge change in someone's mentality. You know, it, it completely changes your life. Well, hope yeah, I, hope it, I answered that. that <laughs> absolutely. But, but, but that, that, that I, I'm laughing here because that, that's such an affront, especially to the, uh, the American consumer consumerism that we've been taught. Right. And like, uh, I I've done a podcast about, uh, I think it was USA today, writing stories about spend it all, right? Spend everything because uh, inflation's coming and that is what's encouraged. And that's why Bitcoin, in my opinion, is such an affront to the uh, the fiat system and and 
you know, I'll call them like the banking cartel or whoever, whoever the they are. Right. That's why Bitcoin is such an affront to them. And that that's why Bukele doing this kind of out of left field. Nobody expected this or that this wasn't debated for months. They just kind of did it overnight. I mean, not overnight, but very, very quickly before the uh, they could actually know what was going on. And, you know, the World Economic Forum types, uh, it, it, it took them by surprise. And not now it became law before they could do anything about it. Uh, Isn't that the story of Bitcoin? Took them by surprise. It is. It, it is. And, and nobody was paying attention. And all of a sudden, this th- you know this thing came out of nowhere and took them by surprise. And uh, not to go down a different rabbit hole, but sometimes it almost feels, uh, you know, like there's d- divine intervention when it comes to it because all these like little things that it uh, it uh, you know narrowly escapes, and it, it seems like uh, Bitcoin is destined. But that might just be me looking through my orange pill well, colored glasses. Let right? me tell you a story. <laughs> um, what's interesting about uh, El Salvador is. Um, Surfing was key to having Bitcoin there. Surfing was drawing uh, tourism even during the Civil War. Surfers were still going down there to surf. Mike Peterson's Surfers a surfer. <laughs> yeah, M- yeah, Mike Peterson's a surfer. He went to surf. He moved there because he went to surf and loved it. And, you know, he was, uh, he, he's one of the OGs of Bitcoin Beach, you know. My, it's my understanding that he's the one that was in communication with the person that funded it. And so, you know, again, you could attribute Mike Peterson to surf and uh, you can attribute, of course, Mike Peterson to Bitcoin Beach and Bitcoin Beach to the actual country adopting it. Because when Bitcoin Beach was starting to get recognized, all of a sudden El Salvador was getting mentioned in the news for positive reasons. Um, People I talked to mentioned that, you know, El Salvador was dangerous, but in the tourism areas, even back then, it was relatively safe. Um, But it was mostly just a poor image that it was getting because the only time it was talked about was for violent things. And so when when Bitcoin started getting talked about in Bitcoin Beach in El Salvador, I think it really opened the eyes um, to Bukele. That's what I think. I don't I don't think he had plans before that, in my opinion. I think he saw it as like this is something that's bringing good attention here. And there's a large Bitcoin community out there. Um, and I think he, um, you know, he, he tapped into that, but anyway, like it, again, it's just, it seems like these, these puzzle pieces just line up perfectly, you know? And even for me too, you know, like this is my first film. Most people like in the Bitcoin space don't know me. Um, but, but I, you know, I've been talking to a lot of people and now they do. And, um, and I would have never made this film or visited El Salvador if it wasn't for Bitcoin. I have tons of Salvadoran friends, you know, t- tons of them, but I would never, cons- I didn't know where the country was. I would never consider going down there. Um, and-, and Bitcoin led me down there and we'll see how it works out with this. But, you know, it's possible that this is the first of many films th- that I'll produce. And um, it was El Salvador, it was El Salvador is, is a, you know, big reason for that. And uh, who knows if El Salvador didn't adopt it, I wonder how much longer it would take for um, the first country to adopt it, you know. And this is also huge for the neighboring countries like um, Guatemala and I think Honduras because their laws intertwine with the region. And so when El Salvador makes it legal tender, it like actually helps them make it legal in their country too. I, I don't even think they have to pass a law. I think they can kind of like operate within those bounds. So yeah, there is a ripple effect that's happening you know, uh, from El Salvador. And again, I hope this film shows 
other people in other countries. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get it translated into as many languages as possible. It's only 10 minutes. It's great. It shouldn't be too difficult to translate. But other countries who are in poverty, you know, or, or don't have digital money, I think they'll get a kick out of seeing someone in El Salvador saying, hey, I'm paying bills, you know, saving time. Hey, I'm saving money with Bitcoin. Hey, I'm getting a $1 payment for sweet bread, you know, with Bitcoin. And I hope that it inspires them to actually see, oh, 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 this is how we can use Bitcoin. Um, so, yeah, the ripple effect that El Salvador is having is, um, is, is massive, man. It's, so speaking of tourism, it, it's, uh, it's funny that I spend, I'm spending all this time talking about El Salvador because uh, of all the countries in Central America, I've been to every single one except one. And uh, th there's a reason that uh, in all our travels and everything, we never went to El Salvador. And it was because of the, uh, the image of El Salvador. And, you know, I'm not... We're, we're, me and uh, me and Sarah are not the adventure, you know, living on the edge type travelers. We we like to, uh, you know, have nice vacations. We don't want to worry about, you know, exactly where to go and things like that. But uh, th this has opened my eyes a, to to a lot of places now that like maybe I've been missing out because of what the uh, what the mainstream media has told me and. And, and I, I know uh, somebody that we both know, uh, you know, the, Max and Stacy always talk about uh, the rebrand of El Salvador. And they, they, they always like to mention that uh, if Madison Avenue did this, uh, they would have charged a billion dollars. You know, it would have been a billion dollar marketing campaign and probably got one tenth or one one thousandth of the result. Uh, so, so Bukele has spent what? Uh, couple hundred million on actual acquiring bitcoin and i don't know how i don't know exactly what he spent if you know let me know i, I think it was like a hundred million on the infrastructure and then um you know uh a, i think a couple hundred million in reserves that they're giving to people because not only do they give them 30 bucks uh, at the jump but when you turn 18 in el salvador you get 30 bucks worth of bitcoin apparently so they have a reserve nice. to keep doing that and then they have another um um, you know, reserve that they keep for, for the country. So I think a hundred million went into infrastructure and then the rest is either they're sitting on it or, you know, uh, they gave it to people. But yeah, just in 2021 alone, you know, $600 million boost in, in tourism more than covers it. And, and, and for a campaign, which they actually acquired assets, they didn't really actually just poof, give the money away to a, to Madison Avenue or to an advertising, uh, campaign. And they, they've completely rebanded the uh, tourism aspect of El Salvador, for sure. Uh, I, I forgot where I was going with that. but uh, When the price bounces, think about how crazy it's going to be when the price actually bounces back up. All the skeptics in El, Sal in El Salvador that, like, you know, are rightfully skeptical. We're all skeptical when we first hear about Bitcoin, right? Especially if you're in a country that's been getting fucked for so long. Like, it just, you know, sounds too good to be true. <laughs> But when the price is 100 grand, 150 grand, people are going to go, oh, shit, you know, um, and certainly it'll, it'll, it'll come down. But imagine when the price goes up and the country is sitting on a nice pile of Bitcoin. Um, whew, it's going to be crazy, dude. <laughs> I think the country is going to explode because a lot of people, most people just don't know how Bitcoin works in El Salvador. They're not completely against it they just don't know and i so it's like 
it, they just need a spark. And a lot of times the price is the spark, man. You know, when the price bounces up, it, it turns heads. People are like, holy shit. Like, cause everybody does the same thing, right? They see it at the all time high and then they see it drop. And then once it's dropping, they kind of like just tune it out, right? And like, okay, it's at 20 grand. And then before they know it, it's like, wait, Bitcoin's $100,000? I thought it was just like $20,000 a few months ago. And then they, then they start to go, why is this happening? What is this fucking thing? You know? And so that's an explosion that is just waiting to happen, in my opinion. You know, like everybody, anyone you ask in El Salvador, do you know what Bitcoin is? Oh, yeah, I've heard of it. Every single person. So, yeah, it's just a, what I call a powder keg. Right, right. And, and it, you know what's going to be, uh, in my opinion, what's going to be the most rewarding to see is, is like you were talking about your surf instructor and, uh, if, if the NGU technology number go up, uh, if, if, if that does happen, which I'm fully, yeah, everybody knows that I'm fully on board with, uh, believing that it's going to happen, but, uh, when that happens and, and a guy like that, that's saved maybe a fi 500 or a thousand dollars and that turns into, you know, 2000 or 5,000 or what, whatever, wh wherever it moons to. It, that that is actually savings working the way savings are supposed to work. Uh, we, we've all been so manipulated into thinking that there is no such thing as savings. And uh, it, it's going to be beautiful because it's going to be uh, to some of the people, the world's poorest people that need it the most, but, and they will have done it of their own accord. It won't be a handout. It, it, it will be a surf instructor that saved 5% of whatever he earned. And, and that is, in my opinion, uh, a billion times better than, uh, you know, USAID coming in and saying, oh, well, you know, here's this or here's that. No, you know what? He earned that and it's his and he saved it. And that, that's the way, that's the beauty of Bitcoin. And that, that's what's so exciting about a country like El Salvador. And, you know, in hindsight, it probably had to be a country like El Salvador that was the first mover, right? Uh, small enough, nimble enough, uh, under the radar enough uh, for, for, for to actually to be able to, oop, oh, we did it overnight. <laughs> uh, it, it's, uh, it's so fantastic to see. Yep. And uh, it, it's a real-time experiment. And, you, you know, I, 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 I hate to be crass or I don't want to be crass, but it's it's a country that it's almost like i mean and like i said i don't want this to come off crass but if you've got nothing you got nothing to lose and that that's the way i see el salvador did take the gamble but as being the first mover they're going to win big uh in my opinion but uh yeah it, yeah it, uh, no it's, it's totally true i mean um i think you got, you have to think you have to do something you know i i think if you as a leader of the country, you can probably see where the direction it's going in, you know? And like you're saying, um, when you live on a dollar standard <clears throat> where you're able to buy less and less as time goes on, it's the in, in exact opposite incentive of savings, right? If I, don't, if, if I don't spend now, I will get less in the future. Um, and it seems like a small change to go from that to, to if I save now, I will be able to buy more in the future. Um, but that's a profound difference. A ab absolutely profound, right? It, it causes you to f think further in the future. 
and think about, okay, what am I saving for? When am I actually going to use this money and what am I gonna use it for? Am I gonna get like a, you know, a, a moped? like in El Salvador, right? Am I going to get a motorcycle? Am I going to get a car? Do I want to start a business? Do I want to buy a camera? Do I want to do these other things? Um, you know, and so it completely changes their mindset down there. And like you're saying, um, to see that happening with people who are uh, living on $12 a day, you know, uh, working on $12 a day, um, it's great. And in terms of like when the price does go up, not just people in El Salvador, but Bitcoiners in general uh, just become more wealthy. And we're not all <laughs> great people. And, and um, you know, I mean, my, and no one's perfect. You know what I mean? Um, like I always ask people like, hey, I know we all fucking disagree with the money printer, but if I gave you, just you, a money printer for your bedroom, are you sure you wouldn't use it? You know? Um, <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And so, uh, but some, you know, uh, in general, Bitcoiners are honest people. They're hardworking people. Um, they, they like to research. They like to read. They like to look into things. And um, having that, those kinds of people and their wealth increasing is very optimistic. Um, you're just going to see more businesses in the future. You're going to have more, in my opinion, decent, honorable people with financial freedom to do more things. Um, and, and even people in El Salvador too, that are working hard to save in Bitcoin, you know, they're going to be the ones to benefit from it. So as this fiat system is, you know, demonetizing that wealth is going into, in my opinion, a more moral, um, group of people. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, touch, you touched a little bit there on, on, on business too. And, and one last thing I wanted to talk about, you know, before we uh, run out of time or whatever here is, uh, I know I at the end of the movie, you've got uh, Max Kaiser in, in your film and Max is kind of, uh, the de facto ambassador, the American ambassador to, uh, El Salvador, but, but more on the, uh, on the topic of, bonds and this this gets into way, way higher level than uh you know talking about the tourism or things like that but w what what is the goal of uh, uh of el salvador with bitcoin because i i mean to, to i i should i should i should step back here and anybody that's not familiar el salvador has announced that or talked about they want to issue bonds backed by uh bitcoin which they will mine off of volcano, volcanic energy, geothermic energy that, that they're harvesting from uh, volcanoes, dormant volcanoes, just for Steve Hankey or whoever uh, thought they were live volcanoes. <laughs> but uh, but, but it, it, it's, it's a basically a glorified municipal bond, right? It, they're they're going to pay back uh, these bonds. But, but what is the goal? What is the business strategy or where is the growth going to happen in El Salvador? So, yeah, you know, I, I, I was never really in the financial industry. Um, <clears throat> so for people who don't know, bonds are like basically you're loaning the country money, right? You give the country money and they pay you some interest on, on that money. And then with these specific Bitcoin volcano bonds, a portion of the money you give them gets put into Bitcoin and gets set aside. So if and as the Bitcoin grows in value after a certain number of years, like you get a benefit from that. So you're kind of like getting the interest on what you invested 
and then you also get to benefit from any growth that may take place. And the idea with the money is they want to take half of, they, they want to raise a billion, um, you know, where before they would have to go to the IMF, the International Money Fund, and say, hey, we want to build this city and we need a billion dollars. And the IMF would be like, okay, cool, here's a loan. And they'd set it up in a way where they know the country couldn't pay it back. And when the country couldn't pay it back, the IMF says, okay, now we own all these things that you built. Um, and, and also, when you build these things, your companies aren't going to build it. Our companies are going to build it. We're going to buy the equipment. We're not even going to fucking send you the money. We'll send the money to the manufacturers of the tractors and all that shit and these American construction companies. It'll go straight to them. You'll pay us back. Uh, and when you don't, we'll own all this shit. Um, so anyway, they don't have, they're not trying to go that path anymore. They want independence, so they want to raise money um, on their own with this volcano bond. Uh, and the idea is they want to raise a billion. Half of it will go into Bitcoin and sit in Bitcoin. That's my understanding. And the other half will go into building out um, this Bitcoin city and starting with like a mining operation that will tap into the heat of the volcano. I'm pretty sure through like steam and, um, and power these Bitcoin miners that will earn Bitcoin um, for them. And then they want to build a city around that, which would be Bitcoin city, which Bukele describes as like in Alexandria, you know, Alexandria was where all the knowledge was held. You know, people coming into Alexandria had to give up their scrolls and there was all this knowledge. It was a center of learning and advancement. And so that's what his vision is. And they want to have like no income tax, no capital gains tax, <clears throat> no payroll tax. The only tax would be like a sales tax and that's it. So I think the goal here is to attract people who aren't happy with the way their countries are going and or their taxes or whatever it may be and give them a place like a Venice to to come together and, and to concentrate. Um, and so that's the plan. It's been pushed back in terms of like when they were supposed to release it, um, you know, because of they're saying because of the gang problem that was happening <clears throat> um, and also because of um, the I think just the price of Bitcoin. And I don't know all the details of it, which is why I did not include it in the film even to begin with, because again, sure. I want people to go visit and Bitcoin city doesn't really matter, but it is very uh, like, um, what's the word? It's very ambitious, but, um, and I'm, I'm hopeful, you know, that, that it'll actually work out. I know I can see myself living there for sure. I, I, I think second to making it a, the legal standard or the legal tender, that that in my opinion is one of the most exciting things to happen out of El Salvador is is the Bitcoin bonds only because it it, uh, it frees countries and the countries that that have been so long dependent upon the IMF and and the the shackles that they put upon the, these countries and that even more than the legal tender could be the uh, you know, the, 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 the straw that breaks the camel's back of the whole fiat system worldwide. And that's what I, one of the things I'm most excited about. I'm excited about Bitcoin City. It, it, uh, I, I know other people have said this and it, it always resonates with me. Is it is it it, it could be the Singapore of uh, of Central America. And I, and I see that and I'm I'm super excited about that uh, personally. Uh, but uh, yeah. It's 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 neat how all this is coming together. So, uh, something fell. Um, yeah, and that's what I was saying it, about. Anyhow, there, there's a lot of dynamics, right, going on with the country. 
uh, a lot of things that they're doing that threaten a lot of powerful um, people, right? So you have the IMF where, like you're saying, if it works for El Salvador, other countries might want to follow. And it uh, gives less power and leverage to the IMF to be like, Yo, you, you know, like Chappelle says, you know, uh, you want this McRib, you got to go through me, you know. Um, and so they, they have another outlet now. Um, yeah, so that, that's the IMF, right? And then like I, was, like I was mentioning before, politicians around the world, like, you know, they're breaking the two-party system there. Any area or any country that's dealing with gangs or crime, you know, also an, an, another example of how someone else is doing it. So I think, like, I always describe the political system in the United States as the uniparty. It's the Harlem Globetrotters versus the Washington Generals. It's WWE, it's SmackDown. It's just like we pretend like we're fighting each other so that we don't really do anything. We can just, you know, eat the best food and have the best clothes and fly in the best jets and have They all serve the same master. They all, exactly. And so um, they don't want to work, right? They just want to pretend. And so um, this is a wake up call, I think. So I think they threaten a lot of really powerful um people and so yeah I, you know i think that their success is um is is everyone's success i yeah it, w w what's happening down there and i cannot wait to, to get up my feet on the ground there i just can't wait i i should have done it last winter but uh you know no crying over spilt milk but uh uh before uh, before we wrap this up here i i've got a couple couple odd questions that I, I want to ask and uh the the first is so so give me three things that i need to do hmm. when i'm on the ground in el salvador so if you're into it i would say try surfing um i had a lot of fun doing it um i i'm way too still i sit a lot and um it was just a great workout. It was great on my knees, my ankles, my shoulders. Um, and if you see the people that surf there regularly, like they got like perfect posture, man. So, um, you know, if, if you're into that at all, I, I, I would uh, try surfing. Um, I would definitely. I as a kid, but not, not for years. I haven't surfed for years. So. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, uh, they, they have a lot of different um, beaches for surf and some are more advanced, but they like right in Bitcoin Beach just like a three minute walk is like an area where you can just, um, you can ride the riptide, I think is what it's called. And it's super easy and calm and it's a really good place to learn apparently. Um, so uh, there's that. You, you obviously, like when I go down there, I spend most of my time in Bitcoin Beach. Um, I, I wanted to go see other places. Like they have a really beautiful lake that I wanna see. I wanna see some of the volcanoes. Um, like you can get coffee on top of the volcano. Um, you can do all kinds of things. I saw like a bee farm. Um, you know, so when you go down there, I would say, yeah, try to surf if, if you can. Um, definitely visit the Hope House at Bitcoin Beach. And Bitcoin Beach is small. You can walk everywhere, you know, like meet Chimbera, meet Mike Peterson. They're always around. Paco. They're usually doing things. What's that? Paco. Paco is that Paco's Hope down House. there too now. Yeah, yeah. Paco, our boy. Yeah. Um, definitely visit them. They're always doing things. You could probably tag along, um, you know, for some of the graduations or other things that they're doing. Um, and then, you know, uh, the third thing is, I would say just like, um, you know, just try to pay with Bitcoin everywhere. Like, you know, just ask every, every restaurant, every store, you know, uh, uh, do you accept Bitcoin? Um, because I think eventually the ones that don't uh, will. But, you know, other than that, like, 
when I travel, I work so much that when I travel, I don't like to do anything. Like I like to just sit on the beach and chill <laughs> out, you know? And so I stayed with my, my, my friend there, Paul, uh, Camilo at Palo Verde. It's right on the beach. You know, they have a pool. You can order whatever you want, whenever you want. They'll bring it to you, coconuts, food, smoothies, whatever. Um, and so that was a perfect, um, you know, uh, trip for me. So um, yeah, if you want some more recommendations, I have a buddy that's been down there. He was there for three months and now he's back there again. Um, so I think he's seen like, you know, pretty much the whole country, but that's, that's what I like to do. I like to just chill on the beach and relax. And, and it was perfect for that. And then if you're, if you're in the United States too, it's not a very long flight. I think it's like three and a, five hours or three, four hours from LA or New York and like three hours sure. from, uh, Dallas or, uh, Miami. And so it's, I, it's really close. I'm extremely upset at Delta though. I'm extremely upset at Delta or anybody because there are no direct flights from Minneapolis-St. Paul Airport. And yeah. I hate layovers. I hate layovers, but I'll, I'll deal with it. I'll deal with it. <laughs> yeah, and that, you know, that's right. what's hopeful too is, you know, like you said, you think you're the last person to go, but really you're not. I mean, all the Bitcoiners I talk to, only like 1% or 2% have actually gone down, which I think is a good thing. <laughs> Because, you know, if El Salvador thinks they've gotten a good amount of tourism so far, man, just wait. There's a lot more Bitcoiners that want to make the trip down because a lot of people see it now as like a pilgrimage, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, all hail Satoshi on the mountaintop, right? Uh, there you go. <laughs> uh, all right. One, what, what, most importantly yeah. uh, about travel to uh, El Salvador is tell me about the food and what is a pupusa? <laughs> yeah, a pupusa is like, the exterior is like uh, like masa, which is like a corn, ground corn, I'm pretty sure. It's kind of like what you would find on the outside of a, of a tamale. Um, and then inside of it, they can put different things. It could just be like beans, it could be beans and cheese, it could be beans and cheese and chicken and beef and like all kinds of shit they can put in there. But it's kind of like a calzone right, where there's stuff inside and there's on the outside. Um, and then they usually serve it with like cabbage and like some mild salsa. Um, and so, you know, it, it's a simple meal, but it's good. Like I'm half Mexican, so I love beans and cheese. Um, <laughs> and so, oh, yeah, so that's good. And, and then they have a lot of really good seafood down there. I heard like their meat's getting better too. Um, but um, yeah, like they have oh, Bitcoin... That, that, that's an important question for all Bitcoiners is uh, what, what is the beef like? <laughs> yeah, again, I'll defer to my friend T-Bone. He literally posts on Twitter every day. Like uh, his post now is like every day he puts todos las noches. So every night and he has just like a photo of, of steaks on the grill and he does it every well, night. He posts him. that. I, mm -hmm. I, I got I to find him on Twitter. I, I'm yeah, gonna look I'll, up. <laughs> I'll hook you up. But other, otherwise, like seafood's great down there. There's a really nice restaurant called Oro del Mar, which is right on the beach uh, at uh, Bitcoin Beach. Everything I tried there is great. Sandwiches, steaks, you know, everything is really good. They're the ones that do not accept Bitcoin. Um, but um, yeah, otherwise, everything I had was really good, especially the seafood. It was particularly fresh and the fruit, too. Awesome. Awesome. So, so why don't you let everybody know again? where they can find you and all more importantly anyone that's made it to this point uh in a value for value world you owe mike i don't know fifty dollars five hundred dollars five hundred dollars for listening to mike uh, give us this much information 
you you at least owe it to Mike to go make even if it's just to uh, make a lightning payment to, with yeah. the message that says, you know, I heard you on Radio Free BTC. Even if it's yeah. whatever, two Satoshis, uh, go exactly. go over and t- t- tell them again where they where they can find you, but ultimately uh, about the project. Yeah. So um, the name of the film is Come Back Country: uh, The Story of El Salvador. Um, yeah. Again, you can find me and eventually find the film on BitcoinShooter.com. I'm sure uh, you know it'll get published on YouTube. You know, it'll be put in a tweet on um, September 30th. And um, you can also visit the domain comebackcountry.com and that'll put you, you know, straight to the YouTube video. Um, That's the plan. And um, yeah, you know, honestly, you can send whatever you want, 50 cents, you know, I don't care. And really, I'm happy with it either way. Either people are ready to, you know, value for value fund films like this or they're not. Um, And either way, that's okay. But um, yeah, I just want people to go visit El Salvador. So, you know, if you only have enough money to go visit El Salvador, then then do that, you know. <laughs> but if you got a Bitcoin at $30, you know, you can send a couple my way. Well, and uh, I promise I'll put it, it to good use. <laughs> if, if, if they have enough money to go to El Salvador, they've got enough money to send you a 50 cent lightning payment. So Yeah, there's no excuse. Uh, 50 cents is a fucking minimum. <laughs> and, and like I said, if they've made it to this point, they owe you. So... Uh, all right. Well, I, I I can't thank you enough again, man. The, the, to everybody that's listening, I, I don't know exactly when I'll drop this, but uh, you you have to go check out Mike's film. It, it's a uh, it's unlike a, you know even if you're in the Bitcoin space and you think that you've seen a lot about El Salvador, this is different. This this uh, this movie this film is different. It's not uh, rah rah Bitcoin, which it, it definitely touches on it, but. It's not, it's, it's different. That's all I'm going to tell you. And you need to check it out and consider giving whatever you can to Mike, because, you know, we, we need more content like this by talented people like Mike, uh, instead of, you know, dopes like me with a camera trying to put together a picture of my, uh, Crocs and uh swimsuit. So <laughs> you, no, you don't, you don't want to see my out over film. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that, man. And I appreciate the conversation too, you know, um, there's a lot of nuances and you, uh, you and I always have a really great conversation, uh, conversations ever since we met. And so, you know, I know you do this, um, you know, as a hobby and for your mom and your sister to listen to, um, but you know, hopefully more people will listen to you cause you got a great voice and you, you always, um, uh, you, you know, so much about a lot of different things and, um, uh, yeah, it's always a great conversation when I listen to you or whenever I talk to you. Happy to do it, man. All right, I will see you guys next time.